Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. From KQED Public Radio in San Francisco, this is Forum. I'm Scott Schaefer. California Attorney General Javier Becerra finally got a hearing in the U.S. Senate this morning. President Biden's choice to be Health and Human Services Secretary faced questions about his experience and qualifications for the job and some hostility from Republicans over his position on issues like Medicare for All. We'll hear how it went. Then later, as the U.S. Attorney for the Northern District of California, David Anderson led investigations into high-profile corruption at San Francisco City Hall. He's stepping down at the end of the week. We'll have an exit interview about his time in the Trump Justice Department. That's all ahead on Forum, right after this news. From KQED Public Radio in San Francisco, this is Forum. I'm Scott Schaefer here this week. And as KQED begins the search to find a permanent host for the 9 a.m. hour after Michael Krasny's retirement, Mina Kim has been named the permanent host of the statewide 10 to 11 o'clock hour. And until we find a permanent host for the 9 a.m., we'll be bringing you lots of different voices and perspectives in this first hour, which brings us to our topic right now, the nomination of California Attorney General Javier Becerra to be President Biden's Secretary of Health and Human Services. Becerra began his first confirmation hearing this morning. In fact, it's still going on. I checked just a few moments ago before the U.S. Senate Health Committee. And joining me now to talk about Becerra's hearing and his road to confirmation are KQED politics correspondent Marisa Lagos. She also co-hosts Political Breakdown. Good morning, Marisa. Morning, Scott. And also joining us, Noam Levy, senior correspondent at Kaiser Health News. Welcome to you as well. Let me begin. I want to ask you both uh, just to kind of uh, give us your sense of how this first uh, hearing is going. But let's begin by hearing a little bit of one of the senators, uh, Republican Richard Burr from North Carolina. And uh, he had this to say in his opening statement. Members of Congress do not become subject matter experts just because they're members of Congress, just because they sit on a committee that has health responsibilities. I've said often that I think you could count on both hands and both feet the number of members of Congress that can actually understand the health care system in America. I may be wrong, but I think I'm right. So it doesn't automatically give you expertise because we serve on this committee. So I'm concerned at this time uh, in Congress and as the Attorney General sits before us, um, I'll say what I've said to him privately. I'm not sold yet. 
Marisa Lago, so what was your impression as you watched this morning, uh, this first part of the confirmation hearing? There will be another one tomorrow before another committee. What uh, what struck you? Well, that might have been the sort of most pointed attack or type of attack we heard. I mean, it's it's actually been, um, you know, we, we heard a lot in the lead up into this new administration about a return to normal. And it does feel like this hearing is that in some ways. It's been um, very respectful. Uh, you know, Becerra is not for as, uh, you know, Republicans might think of some of his policies as, as extreme liberal policies, but he's a very like kind of mellow, mild mannered person. And I think a lot of Republicans, um, including Senator Burr, Senators Romney and others have made, you know, points to say, hey, this is something we disagree on, but not really kind of go after him the way we saw, say, some of the Trump appointees gone after uh, by Democrats. Noam, uh, there was, uh, on the other hand, a letter sent to President Biden yesterday by a group of Republicans, including Senator Tom Cotton and some members of the House, uh, asking President Biden to withdraw this nomination because, in their minds, uh, he is, uh, Javier Becerra, is sort of a radical. Um, what, what's going on there from the political point of view? Um, well, I think, you know, one thing about that has been remarkable about this return to normalcy is that we forget that the parties can still fight with one another without screaming at each other or writing um, incendiary things on Twitter. So the fact that um, the hearing was very has been very civil, as as was noted, I don't think should obscure the fact that Republicans have are very clearly trying to score some political points on the Becerra nomination more so. Uh, than most of the other Biden nominations. So um, clearly there's an interest by conservative Republicans like Tom Cotton, who's who has presidential ambitions to burnish uh, their credentials um, with the base of their party. And that may involve not just opposing Becerra, but making light of Becerra's positions on issues like abortion rights that are you know, that are red meat to, to the Republican base. And what about that point that Senator Burr made, Noam, uh, that, hey, you're just a congressman or you were a congressman, now you're attorney general. Uh, you don't really know enough about health care. I mean, when you look at who previous health secretaries have been, there are three or four governors, former governors. I mean, it, you don't have to be a physician to be in this job, right? No, certainly not. And and as was noted, the last physician to hold the position of HHS secretary was forced to resign because he was using taxpayer money to travel on private jets around the country. That was Dr. Tom Price, uh, Trump's first health secretary, which isn't an indictment of doctors per se, but it's it's only to say that um, perhaps having a medical degree is not in and of itself uh, a, a qualification. You're right, Scott, that uh, HHS secretaries have come from a a variety of backgrounds. Some have been governors, which who who have responsibility for running state uh, Medicaid programs. Um, but uh, there have also been um, uh, one of Obama's uh, Obama's second uh, uh, health secretary was a, a budget uh, official, uh, Sylvia Burwell, um, who was pra- praised ironically by by Senator Burr uh, this morning. And I think, I mean, I think this again gets the the, the fact that Burr and, and other Republicans like Cotton are highlighting um, Becerra's lack of medical training uh, sort of gets at this idea of sort of looking for lines of attack uh, that may that may stick to the wall, so to speak. Yeah. And, and Marisa, uh, 
Becerra was something of a surprise. I think a lot of folks thought, well, maybe he could be the attorney general. I mean, he is California's attorney general. Uh, people don't really think of him as a, having a lot of health background. But what is the, what's the case? What case is the Biden administration making for having Javier Becerra be in charge of health and uh, human services? Well, I mean, I think the biggest thing is that he was intimately involved in, in the uh, Affordable Care Act, um, helping craft that. This is a point that Democrats have made several times today. Um, as Attorney General of California, he's really spent a lot of his time suing over health care issues um, and, and talking about the need to expand health care um, and, and the need to bring down the cost of prescription drugs and, and other, you know, kind of in the weeds things that we are getting into in this hearing, as we should, because this is a huge agency with a lot of oversight. Um, but you did hear, you know, Democrats trying to make that point, um, both that it's not as if every HHS secretary has been a doctor, but also that they believe that Becerra does have this deep knowledge and understanding despite him not having worked in that field. Um, and he's several times brought up the fact that his wife is a physician who treats high-risk uh, pregnant women. Um, I think that that is an area where he also probably found some common ground talking to senators like Senator Murkowski of Alaska and Senator Collins of Maine who have real concerns about rural health care. And so I think he's kind of tried to bridge both his personal and professional experience to make the case that he does have this deep knowledge and, and really could hit the ground running around a lot of these issues. Issues. Talking about Javier Becerra's confirmation hearing this morning in the U.S. Senate with KQED politics correspondent Marisa Lagos and Noam Levy, senior correspondent at Kaiser Health News. This is a half-hour segment, so I'm going to give out the phone number now. If you have a question or comment you'd like to make, give us a ring. It's 866-733-6786. Again, 866-733-6786. You can also get in touch on Twitter and Facebook. We're at KQED Forum, or you can email us if you like. It's forum at kqed.org. And, and uh, Marisa, of course, as Attorney General, he took over when Kamala Harris got elected to the U.S. Uh, Senate. And as AG, uh, Becerra has really been the tip of the spear for California going after the Trump administration for the past four years. How does that play into his selection uh, by the Biden administration and also the opposition he's going to face from some Republicans? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I think symbolically, clearly that this has, you know, because he was out there, I'm sure that there are Republicans who um, might feel more strongly about him or, you know, we, we did see uh, at least one senator ask him to acknowledge the success of the vaccine operation under Trump and, and give that administration credit. Um, I think, though, that a lot of what they're going after actually dovetails more with his work in Congress. I mean, I think his work as attorney general certainly raised his profile and probably made him in the running for a position like this. But a lot of what we're seeing opposition to um, around his work around abortion rights, um, around, you know, immigration and the expansion of potential potential expansion of benefits to uh, undocumented immigrants, that dates back to his time in Congress. So I think it's kind of a combination of both. But I'm, I'm sure that the fact that he's been, you know, making the rounds on cable news for the past couple of years, um, really being a spokesperson against the Trump administration policies isn't going to endear him to many of these Republicans. And knowing when you look at the stakeholders here, and there are so many when it comes to health and human services, but, you know, some of the big ones, pharma, hospitals, uh, insurance companies, consumer advocates, uh, immigrant rights, as Marisa just alluded to, you know, where do they come down, especially those, you know, on the business side of things? So Becerra has gotten endorsements from most of the major um, healthcare industry groups, the American Hospital Association, the American Medical Association, 
Uh, pharma uh, has not, I don't think, endorsed uh, um, Mr. Becerra, uh, perhaps in part because of um, Attorney General Becerra's work um, combating drug pricing uh, out in California. But he's been generally viewed um, pretty positively by folks who work in, in the healthcare sector, I think in no small part because the Trump administration's work uh, on healthcare more broadly and more specifically its efforts to uh, pare back public programs, including the Affordable Care Act, were overwhelmingly viewed as disastrous by physicians, hospitals, and others who, who work in the, in the healthcare space. And that issue around uh, undocumented immigrants and health care, of course, here in California, we have tried to expand access to health care for uh, everybody, including those uh, without documentation. How might that play out in his confirmation, do you think? I, it wasn't it didn't come up uh, this morning, um, but it is another one of those um, hot button issues, obviously, along with um abortion rights where the the partisan divide is is particularly pronounced um the uh, biden administration hasn't sort of waded into that part of the immigration debate yet um in a in a big way but presumably um the intersection of immigration and health care um may feature more prominently once um biden moves forward if biden moves forward with the immigration agenda that he laid out recently marisa we're coming up on a break but uh this morning he was uh, becerra was introduced by both senators including california's newest senator alex padilla a fellow angelino also the son of mexican immigrants and of course becerra would be the first latino health secretary what's the importance of that symbolically and otherwise I think it's enormously important. As you mentioned, Padilla is the first Latino to represent America, or California in the Senate. Um, I think he, Becerra and Padilla both really rely on their personal stories. You heard Becerra repeatedly, you know, harken back to the fact that his parents arrived here, um, but were able to secure health care and, and citizenship and that it had saved his mother's life at one point. All right, we're going to continue this conversation about Javier Becerra's confirmation, and you can join us until the bottom of the hour anyway about this topic. It's 866-733-6786. Again, 866-733-6786. Or get in touch on Twitter and Facebook. We're at KQED Forum. Scott Schaefer, here this hour. We will be right back. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. And welcome back to Forum. Scott Schaefer here. We're talking for this half hour about the nomination of California Attorney General Javier Becerra to become the Secretary of Health and Human Services with Marisa Lagos, politics correspondent with KQED News, and Noam Levy. He is a senior correspondent with Kaiser Health News. Give us a shout out at 866-733-6786 if you'd like to join us. Here's a, a comment from a listener who writes, there's a lot of focus on the Republicans who oppose the Becerra nomination, but I appreciate what progressives are doing to hold the Biden administration 
administration to task. Today, Bernie Sanders asked Becerra about Medicare for all and keeping drug prices low. Those are the issues that really matter. And, you know, Noam Levy, certainly from a Democrat point of view, uh, there has been a lot of, uh, you know, advocacy for expanding health care access and Medicare for all. Uh, what role, if any, is Becerra likely to have in promoting that? He has endorsed that idea in the past. He has, and, and, and Medicare for All obviously um, remains a guiding light for many uh, on the Democratic side of the aisle. Uh, President Biden, as a candidate, um, very explicitly uh, made the, made a choice not to um, uh, push for Medicare for All, arguing instead that it was more pragmatic to uh, build on the Affordable Care Act and extend additional financial protections for people who are still struggling to afford uh, health insurance despite uh, despite the Affordable Care Act, and 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 Attorney General Becerra was has also been very explicit that notwithstanding his endorsement of Medicare for all, that that he's squarely behind this more incremental strategy that um, both President Biden has endorsed and that congressional Democrats uh, Democratic leaders on on the Hill have signaled is is their preference right now. Uh, as your as your listener noted, Senator Sanders um, continues to sort of hold the torch for Medicare for all, but that doesn't appear to be anything that's going to be imminent. And, and Marisa, that issue has really played out in California as well. You have the nurses and others, uh, unions especially, pushing for Medicare for all. Governor Newsom ran for governor, uh, embracing that idea, but we really haven't seen a lot of progress on that front. This is something that advocates and others embrace, but it's harder to pull off than uh, you know many would like to think. Yeah, and I think this is something Becerra is having to walk a really fine line on because even though he has been an advocate for this, much like uh, some policies where, say, the vice president and the president maybe diverge, you know, they are in this administration being brought in, and in Javier Becerra's case, he hopes to um, do the president's bidding, essentially. And so I do think that that's going to be, um, if he gets confirmed, a, a sort of fascinating area to watch kind of how they walk those lines. I mean, you know, to some extent, it's I think there are things he can obviously do administratively. The HHS secretary has enormous power. Um, but obviously, a lot of these conversations and, and, and battles will really be waged in Congress. So um, that might make his job a little easier. But, you know, you certainly see the challenge of this type of confirmation hearing when you have someone like Senator Sanders pushing on that. And then you have someone like, say, Senator Romney asking him about partial birth abortions. I mean, there's a there's a a real fine line to walk here for Becerra. Yeah. And this is there is an element of theater to this as well, in that uh, senators on both sides are sort of playing for their to their home states and their constituencies. No, I'm, uh, you know, Talk about the ACA. Uh, Javier Becerra, when he was in Congress, helped write that bill, helped get it passed along with Nancy Pelosi. Um, There's a lot of folks in Congress who think that the job one should be shoring up the Affordable Care Act. Um, What role might Becerra have there? Well, I think think President Biden and Becerra um, have been pretty clear that 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 is job one or or maybe job 1A after after COVID. uh, and, you know, Becerra p- played a very important role in stepping forward to defend the Affordable Care Act in court when the Trump administration uh, threw its lot in with uh, Texas and a group of other red states around the country that have sued to try to have the law thrown out. And that case is now pending before the before the U.S. Supreme Court. So 
I mean, Becerra um, had a high profile, I think, on the Affordable Care Act beforehand, but certainly his work to defend it uh, over the last several years raised that profile even further and may, in fact, be the reason why he is the, the nominee today. Um, in terms of what it will take to shore up the law, there are a range of administrative actions which the administration and which HHS will presumably take in the coming months to reverse things that the Trump administration did, such as uh, opening uh, markets for these so-called junk insurance plans that don't cover a full range of benefits. They have already reopened uh, an enrollment period to allow more people to sign up for health insurance through the marketplaces created by the healthcare law. And they've indicated they're prepared to spend a considerable amount of money to um, advertise the availability of these plans to make these marketplaces more um, more viable. That's a that's a model, frankly, that covered California and California has um, pursued with, with with great success over the last few years. And, and I would expect to see the federal government sort of follow that lead under uh, under Becerra coming forward in terms of adding additional protections, providing more money um, to um, make health insurance more affordable for middle class families that don't currently qualify for federal assistance. That's something that would require Congress, although that also is moving forward in the context of um, some of the discussions around COVID relief. So that that's a, a second front that, that would require Congress. All right, let's go to the phones. And again, the number to call is 866-733-6786. And let's go to Maddie in Berkeley. Good morning. Good morning. Yeah, I was just wondering, um, you talked about Becerra's background, um, but, you know, I think um, one of the ways that uh, more subtle ways that um, conservatives in particular might uh, score political points would be just the optics of the fact that um, Mr. Becerra is uh, is Latinx and how race is playing into this nomination. Marisa, uh, obviously uh, the symbolism, as we talked about earlier with uh, Alex Padilla, fellow uh, Angelino and uh, another first, a Latino senator for California, introducing Becerra. I mean, clearly this is on the minds of uh, certainly Becerra's supporters. How might how might it come to play, if at all, either, uh, you know, directly or indirectly? I mean, it's an interesting question, um, and I certainly appreciate sort of the caller's point of view. I'm not sure that that's going to be at the heart of opposition. I certainly think it's going to continue to be brought up um, as a point of sort of a positive point in his favor. I mean, he talked about this very directly during his opening statement today at one point, noting that his dad couldn't walk into stores because there were signs that said no dogs, no Negroes or Mexicans allowed. Um, so he's talking about this in terms of equity. And we actually heard uh, some of the senators um, on the Republican side even bring this up, you know, the, the disproportionate impacts of the COVID-19 pandemic and, and the need for the government to really deal with that equity issue. Um, so I would be pretty surprised surprised if we saw any direct attacks on his sort of heritage or, or identity from Republicans. I think that um, that would be politically <laughs> unwise. Um, and, <laughs> and, 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 you know, so I think that what we'll see is maybe some of the substance, some of the questions um, around, like I said, uh, questions of who should qualify for government programs, um, questions of how he approaches some of these policy areas that they differ. Um, that's really going to be the, the, the kind of nut of those attacks. And uh, Noam, we're getting to the close to the bottom of the hour here, but this is the first of two committees that uh, uh, will be hearing Becerra's nomination tomorrow. The Finance Committee in the mm -hmm. Senate is going to uh, ha have him testify. And my understanding is that 
The health committee is not going to vote on this nomination, but the finance committee will. Uh, is that correct? And you know, if so, why? Uh, that is correct. Yeah, the the health committee is a sort of courtesy hearing for HHS nominees. The Senate Finance Committee is the sort of controlling committee. They vote on the nomination. Will presumably will pass it on to the floor of the Senate. Um, there is some amount, I suppose, of um, uh, of suspense here, as we've seen with President Biden's nominee for budget director, Senator Joe Manchin of uh, West Virginia, conservative Democrat sort of holds a lot of uh, power in these things. He hasn't indicated which way he's going to go on on the Becerra nomination. We expect the vast most most Republicans to oppose it. Uh, the two centrist Republicans on the Health Committee, Senator Susan Collins of Maine and uh, Lisa Murkowski of Alaska, didn't really show their hands uh, much in uh, in the hearing today. Both were were per polite. Senator Collins maybe a little bit more skeptical of uh, of Becerra, but neither one of them have uh, indicated how they're going to vote yet. All right. And last question to you, Marisa. If he is concerned, c- confirmed, uh, Governor Newsom will have to name somebody to fill out the rest of Javier Becerra's term and then run in 2022 to be attorney general. What are your thoughts about that? Uh, who's on the short list? I mean, we've heard that uh, Sacramento Mayor Daryl Steinberg may be on the short list. Um, there's been a number of other names. Um, I think that, you know, this would be the third appointment that Newsom would get because of a Biden administration. Um, and so he's going to be under a lot of pressure from a lot of groups, especially ones who would like to see a person of color in that position. Um, but I think ultimately he's going to want to pick somebody who can win and run and whom he trusts, especially given the fact that he could be facing a recall in the next year. All right. Marisa Lagos, KQED politics correspondent, co-host of Political Breakdown. Thanks so much for joining us this morning. And thanks also to Noam Levy, senior correspondent at Kaiser Health News. Thank you both. Thanks, Scott. All right, we're, we're going to take a very short break, and when we come back, I'll be joined by outgoing U.S. Attorney David Anderson. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary all over the country. We need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Sold a Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Sold a Story are available now.